Good morning. Good morning. So I have my, my smiling mask on, so <laughs> otherwise my eyes are smiling, but you guys can see that I'm smiling. So anyway, <laughs> it tickled me when I saw someone in this and I had to order one. So anyway, I'm not going to wear it right now. Um, so good morning. I'm really happy to be here. Um, it's been a long time and um, it's just funny because um, while we, we get used to, like you were saying, we get used to... Um, coming together physically and coming into the physical church, but we have to remember what the church really is. And it's not this, if it burned down, we still have work to do. And so um, anyway, I'm just happy to be on, on the asphalt of 3860 right now, <laughs> even though we're not inside. So anyway, um, the Zoom platform, this is difficult. I initially didn't think that we'd have so many people here. So I'm very excited to see um, the crowd that is gathered because it's a tough crowd when you're talking to yourself. And um, so anybody at home on Facebook, hopefully it's, it's, it's streaming well. Um, I'm going to have to have you guys shout from your couches um, to give some amens because this is a, a tough one. We've gone through Advent, uh, obviously, several times, and I've been had the pleasure of speaking. And so um, over, the, over the four themes, hope, peace, love, and joy. And so it's always um, interesting to me when you... Um, when the Lord can reveal different things about the same topic, you can read the same verses and get a whole new meaning. It just speaks to you differently, depending on kind of where you are in life. And so um, I'm excited. I'm excited to have hope. Um, anyway, about the Advent season. Advent um, is the coming. In Latin, it means the coming. I love words. And so I always like to try to define them. But the Advent is um, it, it's about the coming. And of course, some 2000 years ago it was about the coming and the expectation of um, Christ's birth. Um, that's what they were looking forward to then. And now, some 2,000 years later, it's about the coming of his um, return, coming back for the bride and his church. And we can um, wait expectantly for his second return. So that's what we're here to celebrate. Oftentimes, um, you know, Christmas in this season, can, you can, it can be defined by the world um, with hustle and bustle, with being indebted, getting, you know, using the credit cards, gift giving. Um, just a lot of, of course, spending time with others, but oftentimes you can forget the, the point and purpose of it all. And the point and purpose um, of it all is, is, is Christmas. It's Christmas and it's Christ's birth. And so we need to remember that. Um, it's, I don't want to be remiss because we're, we're kind of overlooking Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's, it's a big deal too. It's a big deal. And so I'm just happy that um, Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday because you don't have to buy stuff. You don't have to get all stressed out. You get to spend time with your family. So anyway, um, yes. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for City Church. I thank you for the faithful members, the ones that are able to come out and are healthy, Lord. I thank you for our, our leaders, um, pastor, his wife, um, my bonus dad, and my mother. I just thank you for their, um, their faith, their commitment um, to uh, their purpose, their purpose. And so I ask that you continue to just strengthen them. Um, I pray for those. Uh, we mentioned Tasia's father. Uh, I pray for just her family. Touch her family in a special way, Lord, and just encourage her. Um, it's tough to lose a parent. Just encourage her. I pray for um, the sick, the ones that wanted to be here and they couldn't be here, that might be affected by COVID, for those who have lost loved ones due to COVID. I thank you, Lord, for your provision, your provision to just provide. Even in this pandemic, when we can um, lose our footing and, and be tempted to panic and, be, and have um, anxiety, Lord, I just thank you that you have not forgotten and that this pandemic did not catch you by surprise. So we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the message today, the message of hope, the message that, that Advent brings, the hope, peace, joy, and love, Lord. I just ask that you infuse our lives with that. 
Um, help us just remember who to cling to and that our hope is in you and that it is just a strong anchor for our soul. I ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. So um, the first week of Advent, um, it centers on hope. And that's what we're, we'll be talking about today. The hope that comes from the announcement of Christ's birth and the expectation of his certain return. And just cling to that word certain, his certain return. Today we'll focus on hope, and I've entitled the message, Hope, the Anchor in Which We Can Build Our Lives Upon. So hope, the anchor in which we can build our lives upon. Um, our message today comes from Colossians, the long passage, but I'm not very flexible right now, so I have to stick to the script. Otherwise, I wouldn't read it, but I'm going to go with this because my time, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to read it again. Um, so 15, um, or 1, it's Colossians 1, 15 through 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. So he was pleased to have his fullness dwell in the Son, and through him to reconcile, through Jesus, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were, and remember that, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. So once you were, but now you're not. Once you were enemies, now he has reconciled you by the Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So that's a long passage. You could probably preach a whole year. <laughs> I'm just breaking this down. This is so rich. There's so much stuff in here. Um, I'm going to particularly focus today on verses 21 through 23, um, but it, 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 there's a lot of stuff. Um, just to give you context, I think it's important um, as you study the word to make sure you have context and to know what was happening before and what was happening after so you really know why what we're talking about in the middle matters and, and the context of that. So background of Colossians. So Paul wrote this letter to the church while he was in Rome. The church was likely started sometime between 54 or AD 54 and 61. And, and in my studies, there's a range. So I'm just going to say 54 to 61, 80, somewhere in that range. Don't hold me to the exact stuff, but somewhere between that. Um, and the church started with a strong theological foundation. So it, it started off strong. Um, they had, they had, um, they knew the truth. They knew the way they knew, they, they, they knew the gospel. And so it started off strong. Um, over time, um, and this is why Paul ended up writing this letter, because over time he had heard that it slowly began to erode. And so when you think about erosion, um, even in our life and in the way we follow the Lord, we don't just say one day, you know, Lord, I'm going to turn from you. I'm just going to sin and just forget you and be done. I think, especially as believers who are truly believers, we want to walk with him. And it's little things that erode, little slow things that we yeah, make this yeah, choice. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not that bad. I'll just do this. And before you know it, you were supposed to be in L.A. and you're in Oregon. You're like, how did I get here? Because you allowed slow things. So Paul knew it, what was going on here and it pained him. He's like, wait a minute, what is going on there? I need to redirect them. 
redirect them. And so that he wrote this letter, and that's what we were reading in, in, in that, in that um, in passage today. So um, he heard about this, he was pained about this, and he wrote this letter to combat the subtle error that conflicting truth can be when you try to blend it with God-honoring truth. So um, this particular church was falling away from the truths they had learned. One thing, and I want to bring our, our attention to Job, because I think Job sums it up. Now, um, Job happened before this. This is after um, what we're dealing with in Colossus. But I want you to understand, um, Job, to me, in, in chapter 8, really summed up kind of what was going on there. And so he said in chapter 8, verse 11 through 13, you guys know the story of Job. I won't have time to get into that, but the story of Job. So in that, um, his friend sums, summed this up, and he said, those who forget God have no hope. So those who forget God have no hope. Perhaps what was going on in this city, they were forgetting God. They were making choices and kind of forgetting God. They weren't um, feeding their mind daily. They weren't um, sticking to what they knew was right. They just slowly started turning away. So remember that those who forget God have no hope. That's in Job. And that's a summation of what Job 11 through 13 says. We see proof in that statement in every segment of society today that the further away from God we get, the less hope we have. So the further away from God, the less hope you have, the hopelessness sets in. The closer you walk with God, the more hopeful, hope-filled you'll be. So it, it works that way. You walk with God, you, you, you hold on and cling to his promises, you're gonna be filled with hope. We're gonna talk about the, the different kinds of hope. When you steer away, like this church was steering away, like what we can t look about, look, we can look at 2020 right now and see some of its effects when you fall away from God. Um, I'm sure you guys have friends who might um, be hopeless, who might, ha who might feel that way. Maybe you yourself have felt that way as well. But I'm here to say that the closer you walk, the more hope-filled you'll be. So that being said, um, <clears throat> have you noticed what the world places their hope in? They place their hope in, in a lot of different things. They place their hope in relationships. They place their hope in um, entertainment, in money, um, in, <clears throat> in um, their job, their careers, their dreams. Um, right now we're in the election cycle, right? Well, we just kind of finished it. As far as I'm concerned, it's Biden, Biden 2020. I don't care what's going on, but we finished the election cycle, right? But when you're thinking about all this and all the, how it's just so tumultuous and the chaos going around, it can cause you, it can kind of have you rattled a little bit. Anxiety can set in. People right now, a few weeks ago are placing their bets on their favorite horse, right? They're placing their bets. They were like, if, if this one wins, the world's gonna be so much better. And if this one loses, these problems will be solved. But it doesn't matter who we put in the White House because it's not gonna matter. It's who we put on the cross that matters. And that's gonna be our savior. So we put all of our hope. And the problem is that you think of government, if you don't have hope in a higher power, if you don't have hope in something higher, People tend to put it in their higher power, which could be government, right? It's like, well, I don't know, it's chaos abounds. Who can help, who can help? The government then. The government can help, I'm gonna need them to help. And so we put our, 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 our hope in that, and that will never sustain us, or that government will never sustain us. So let's talk about the different kinds of hope. The bottom line is, our hope does not lie with man or woman, it lies in, in our savior, okay? 
So <clears throat> the Bible says, again, that those who forget God have no hope. So I, I was doing some, some reading as I was preparing for this, and I came across a, a wonderful, to me, Bible scholar that I love. And I won't mention, but he's a pastor. I think he's wonderful. And he came up with this list of what happens when a culture falls away from God. And it's very similar to the church that we're speaking about right now in Colossians 1, 15 through 23. 23. So he says that when a culture falls away from God, wealth is idolized, truth is minimized, life is trivialized, abortion legalized, television vulgarized, advertising essentialized, everything is just sexualized and commercialized, consciences are desensitized, education is secularized, free markets are monopolized, races and politics are polarized, sports are scandalized, morals and ethics are liberalized, entertainment and crime are sensationalized, Immorality is popularized, drugs are legalized, sin is glamorized, courts are paralyzed, the breakup of family is rationalized. And we call that irreconcilable differences. The breakup of families is just rationalized. We can find some reason and so we call that irreconcilable differences. Manners are uncivilized, Christians are demonized, and God is marginalized. I thought that was so powerful. This is what happens when a culture falls away from God. Little bitty things, it's okay. If it's not bothering me, go ahead and do you. We are our brother's keeper. We are called to be light in a dark world. We are called to stand up and to say something when people are falling away. We're called to do that. That is our purpose. We are called to be lights. So it's no wonder why so many people don't have hope. So I want us to unpack a few things. Um, it's hard because you think about hope, it's like, what can you talk about? But I was so excited because um, it, it's, it's the different kinds of hope is what came to me. It's the different kinds of hope. What kind of hope do we have in the world? And what kind of hope is, 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 is the hope that we can anchor our souls in? That's the hope that, that the Bible is talking about. So today I want to define what real hope is. And in order to do that, we're going to define what it's not. And then I want to talk about um, the three other kinds of hope that we often confuse with this soul anchoring hope. So first of all, what is real hope? <clears throat> real hope is not optimism. Okay, it's not optimism. It's not like this, oh, it's just a beautiful day. Everything's gonna be okay, blah, blah, blah. That's not real hope. Like that's kind of like false hope and there's nothing wrong with being an optimist. I think it's wonderful. You'd rather be around an optimist than a pessimist, but <clears throat> that's not, you can't build your life on that kind of hope. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about. So let's just look at some examples of what um, <clears throat> optimism is. So optimism, is something that often denies reality. Um, it's, it's like, <coughs> excuse me, optimism says that after you get that diagnosis, that cancer diagnosis, you say, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. It's gonna happen. Look on the bright side, it's not that bad. And <coughs> hope says, no, it's really bad. Like it's really, really, really bad. But I still believe. It is bad, this is the reality. I got this cancer diagnosed, I got whatever that is, it's bad, a parent died, it's bad. But I still believe, that's hope. So optimism is great, you have a good outlook, that's great, but hope is, I still believe. And so, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, the first kind of hope I wanna focus on, we're gonna go through three, the first kind of, that's the optimism, um, is what hope isn't. <clears throat> the first kind of hope is wishful hope. So this is the kind of hope that most people mean when they define hope. Um, for instance, if you are headed to a meeting and you're late and you get to that red light, what do we say? 
Ooh, I hope it turns green. Ooh, I wish it would turn green. I wish it would turn green. That's like, I wish, right? Wishful hope. That's like false hope. Or what's the other big one? Come on. You guys going down, getting them scratchers, right? <laughs> getting them scratchers. My daughter, and I'm embarrassed to say, my 10 year old, we're going out of town, we leave here. She's like, mama, on the way, can we get a lottery ticket? Can we get a lottery ticket? I'm like, where's this coming from? You're like 10, like who does this? But anyway, um, that's when you buy, <laughs> we don't even buy a lot. I don't understand where this is coming from, seriously. Um, Although I always win any kind of raffle, so I feel like I win anyway, anytime in a raffle. But so that's that's the wishful hope. I'm gonna get a lottery ticket and I hope I win the big one. I hope, I wish, I hope. We can't build our lives on that kind of hope either. That's not that is a wishful hope. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Um another kind, honestly, you guys have a a, a greater chance of probably going to the moon after church today than win the lottery. <laughs> like Good luck to you, but wishful. That's wishful hope. Good luck. Um, the second kind of hope that I want to talk about is expectant hope, right? And expectant hope is more, um, oh, let me, let me get this little water. I'm over here. Expectant hope, it means um, it's stronger than wishful because it really is based, you, you, it's, 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 um, it has a logical basis. So, for instance, um, you're anticipating something to happen because you've done something, kind of a cause and effect. So, Brother Bert, shout out, I hope you're, you're listening. But Bert is our resident gardener, right? He's got this green thumb, he plants his stuff, he loves his greens, he plants his stuff. So, he plants his, let's say tomatoes, his greens yearly, or whatever he does, and he's expecting a harvest, right? He did something, I'm gonna plant this, I can reasonably expect a harvest, right? Another example would be um, a pregnant woman. That's why we say expecting. It's pretty exciting, right? You're expecting. This pregnant woman is expecting um, a baby. But as you all know, um, as both those examples, if Brother Bert, perhaps we had a drought and it just didn't rain enough. Perhaps his sprinklers broke. He didn't know and didn't water it. Um, tragically, so he may not have gotten a harvest. He expected it. That's, it it's a logical expectation, right? You planted it. Um, and tragically, we know that women who are expecting can experience um, miscarriage. So they had a, a sound basis for what was gonna happen, but it didn't happen. And even that we can't build our lives on because it, it, something could, it could change. Another, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the last hope um, that I really wanna get into, and this is a hope that I really guys, I want you guys to walk away with today is a certain hope. And this is the hope that the Bible talks about that we should be building our lives on. This is what will anchor our souls when the storms of life, or the storms of life creep in. And so before I get into that hope, um, you guys can go to your cell phones and I don't see not a nary Bible in here. <laughs> Which is terrible, right? When, when I was raised, the, pre the, the preacher always had the big old Bible here, right? And it was, I'm like, this, I, I, this whole techie thing is odd. Oh, bless your heart. That's what I'm talking about. With the leather, let's show that Bible. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Because what about when our tech stuff dies? What you guys gonna do? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm over here printing it up. Anyway, I think that's lovely. I love that. Um, so, so Hebrews 11.1. 1. <laughs> I'm gonna read from the study Bible, study Bible that I have. And it reads, now faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. So assurance means promise. So I'm gonna reread it, inserting promise. Now, faith is the promise 
of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. It was said another way, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. So faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. So that being said, faith and hope go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Who, who in here knows about married with children? Let me, let me tell you guys a little story about this, okay? So, the song was Love and Marriage. Well, everybody love and Marriage, right? And they say you can't have one. Basically, it says you can't have one without the other, right? So, but now we see that you kind of can. People are marrying for all kinds of things. But the premise, the premise, right, is you're supposed to be in love. You meet this person, you fall in love, and then you get married, right? So, they, they go hand in hand. Hope and love is the same thing. Um, I got a funny little story about that too. So was it last year or maybe a year ago or two years ago? Anyway, we dressed up as the black Peg and Al Bundy. <laughs> and we did that. We looked good. I had my red wig on it was for a little Halloween, a little shindig that we were, we were going to at Miss Tasia's house. And we had to stop off at a grocery store um, to get something. And so we, were, we get in there and we're going through the line and this lady tells me, she's like, Oh my gosh, like, what are you? Little teenage, teeny bopper girl. Oh my gosh, what are you? And I'm all, <laughs> you don't know? Like the wig, like I look, I had it. Like I don't understand this, right? I had leather pants on, like I had a purse, like I'm all. So she goes, oh my gosh, well, my parents used to watch your show like way back in the day. Like, and I'm like, it's not even an old show. Like I think, anyway, I thought it was funny. We did that. Like we really should have won a contest. I'm just, I'm just anyway. But my whole point is that you had love and marriage, they go together. Faith and hope, they go together. You can't have one without the other. So, um, the, so, so hope fuels faith. So, so just to kind of, it was hard for me to come up with an example of this, but faith, so hope fuels your faith. So if faith is the belief that there is something better to seek, if you have faith, so we hear the gospel, the good news, right? We believe. The faith is the belief in that gospel that there is something better to seek, we're gonna seek him, um, while hope is the expectation or the certainty that what we seek is there. So we believe and we have faith and we believe that um, it's dark. Someone told me there is an apple in the room, this dark room. And <clears throat> someone that I trust said there's gonna be an apple in this dark room. So now I go in a dark room and I can't see. But my faith says, that the, I'm starving, by the way. So I'm starving, I want this apple. My face says, I believe. I believe the person that told me there's an apple, they're, they're trustworthy. I'm going to this dark room, I don't even see the apple, but I know there's an apple because the person that told me, I trust them. And so my hope then is I hope that on the other side of this dark room, my apple's gonna be there. You understand that? Okay. So, so faith and hope go together. You can't have one without the other. So the last kind of hope that I wanna discuss is the certain hope. And that's the, that's, this is the, the hope that we can build our lives on. The certain hope or Christian hope. So Hebrews 6.19a, and I'm reading from the Living Bible, the certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor, anchor for our souls. So the certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So, 
this is again, this is the kind of hope the Bible talks about that we can bet on. It's a sure thing. Um, there's three ways that, 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 that the Bible is describing this hope. The first one, it says strong. And what's strong? Strong is stable. It's immovable. It's, it's strong. Okay. You can, you can, you can trust that that chair is strong. It's a strong thing. Trustworthy. You trust somebody. That's, that's, that's self-explanatory. You just, you trust um, them at their word. You trust them. And an anchor. What is an anchor? What is the purpose of an anchor? And you guys can start shouting it out. What's the purpose of an anchor? To hold it down, right? To hold it down. So we can, we can do a lot. We can live our lives um, without a lot of things. We can live our lives for weeks without food, eight to 21 days when I was reading it up. So about eight to 21 days, three weeks, you can, you can live your life without food, just no nothing. You can even go a few days without water, but you can't go five seconds without hope. What happens, and I, I happen to be, sadly, I'm in a profession where I see a lot of hopeless people, um, people who make choices and decisions, who decide to take their lives because they're hopeless. And the only reason I know this is because we found letters that the people have left that describe their hopelessness. And my heart breaks, I'm like, man, my most recent one was a, a baby, an 18 year old baby. And I just, that one struck me, it struck a nor anyway, I, I digress, but he was hopeless. And <clears throat> when you're hopeless, you don't see past that sometimes. Right. You don't see past the next step, you don't right. see. So anyway, um, <clears throat> we can go, but we can't go without hope. So let's look at the purpose of an anchor. An anchor, yes, you're right. <laughs> it is used to connect a vessel, a ship, to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft, the vessel, the ship from drifting to, drifting from the wind or the current. It keeps a ship secure when the storms and winds rise. In this same way, and I know you guys are following, in the same way, the anchor, the hope that God promises us, it, 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 it promises to be an anchor for our soul. So when we are going through these things, right now the pandemic, it, it, it can turn your life upside down. People have lost jobs, they've lost their, their homes, they've lost their, their lives, their loved ones, um, dreams. They're losing businesses right now. Businesses are shutting down because it's easier to, I mean, it's, it's more financially prudent to actually shut the business down than to, to be outside and actually try to conduct business in this new way. I mean, this is, this is unprecedented, okay? And so people are, 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 are breaking. And so anxiety sets in, fear sets in. Um, and if you don't have hope for, for the things that, that blow you to and fro, you'll be, you'll, you, like I said, you think you're going to LA, and all of a sudden, you'll be ending up in, in Oregon somewhere because you don't have hope, the hope that sustains you, that keeps you balanced and stable when the storms of lives hit in. So without an anchor, it's easy to drift. Um, and have you noticed um, in your own lives, like we talked about earlier, in your own lives, how easy it is to drift away from God, um, how easy it is to drift away from your friends, relationships, your spouse even, um, your children, your dreams, if you don't have that anchor, it's easy to drift. Um, and the, the cool part is the bigger your ship, the bigger what? The bigger anchor. The bigger your ship, the bigger your anchor. If you wanna live a little baby, puny, um, <laughs> little tiny, insequential life, you don't need a big anchor. You don't need a big anchor. But if you wanna live a big, full, what the Bible says, an abundant life, there's gonna be some risks you take. There's gonna be some storms you go through. And the only thing that'll keep you from drifting is gonna be that soul anchoring anchor. And that's what this Bible talks about. 
So where do you get this kind of hope is the point, right? Where do you get this hope? Where do you get this real hope that anchors your soul when, when stuff arises in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, on your job? You didn't get that, um, that promotion you thought you were going to get. You didn't get, um, <clears throat> you didn't get the, the grade you wanted on your test. Where do you get where do you get that hope when you just feel defeated? Um, there's a, you guys should look into the top ten reasons. This is really good, cool. The top ten reasons for hopelessness. As I was studying this, in top ten. One of them was guilt and shame. People feel um, guilty and 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 shamed, and they feel so hopeless. Like I can never overcome. I can't unring this bell. I can't un unspill the milk, right? But what did we just talk about? In that first part of the verse, which I thought was so good, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, but now, but now, but now you have been reconciled. You're no longer his enemy. If you really cling to the gospel and you heard that gospel and the good news and you believe and you're walking in faith, you don't have to worry about shame or guilt. You are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave. So anyway so it's not based this real hope is not based on because again that self-talk will talk you into feeling like you're nothing and that's when you have to cling to that hope right so this real hope is based on god's word not my wishes it's not based on what i sense it's based on what he said it's not based on my emotions it's based on what god has spoken it's not based it's not based on lies. It's not based on what the world says. It's based on his promises and his oath. Some people say, well, there's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that he can't do. Well, I'm here to say there is something he can't do. He can't lie. That goes in direct, um, it goes in direct opposition to who he is and the character of who he is. He can't lie. He can't, he won't not make good on his promises. He won't not hold good on an oath he made. And so the only way you know these promises, the only thing, the only way you'll get um, fed and feel excited and, and get this hope he's talking about is if you read and you study. How will you know his promises if you're not in the word? How do you know what to cling to when your, 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 your boat is drifting to and fro? You'll wake up, you'll go to bed tonight, and if, if you're not careful, you'll wake up and your whole boat will just be, you're drifting. Have you guys ever been, um, have you guys ever been to boat? To where you're, and it's not been anchored. Have you ever seen? It does it quick too. It does it quick. Now, again, you, if you live a small little life, you can go in the shallow end. You won't even need an anchor. You can just stand up in the water, go into three. But we're we're called to go into the deep end of the pool, like Pastor says. We're called to go in there. Like Lord, I trust you. I have faith in you. I'm going to the deep end of the pool. I don't even know how to swim, but you do. You do. I, I do know how to swim though. But but no, no. But but I don't know how to swim in this life without him. I don't know how to swim without an anchor, and it's so important, it's so important, especially right now with this pandemic. I tell you what, I'm watching people. I had a gentleman that I'm, I'm supervising. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's, he's, got, he's so talented, and he came into my office, and he said he just felt hopeless. He just felt like, you know, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know if this is my thing. I don't know um, if this is where I'm, you know, and I just sat there, and I thought, you're over here, and this is just what the Lord was saying to me. I said, you're here expecting something from this job that it was never meant to give you. The only thing that you can, the only way, the only place you can get what you're talking about you don't have is with him. And I said, and I told him, I just shared it. I said, I'm a believer. I'm gonna tell you right now. There's some things that can get me down and it is my faith that keeps me. That's the only thing. The difference between believers and unbelievers is our hope. It is our hope. 
when we go through the vicissitudes of life and all these things, the only thing that keeps us afloat is hope. The fact that we believe, we have faith, we know we're in that dark room and that red apple because it's promised to true is going to be there. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. But the world doesn't believe it. They don't even have anybody that's giving them apples. They don't even have anybody who they trust. To, to, but they won't even go in the dark room. You know, so we are called to go to go to go deeper, you guys. We're called to go bigger. We're called to live a bigger, abundant life. So I'm going to come to I'm going to come to a close. What does this have to do then with Advent? I took us all around Robin Hood. What does this kind of hope have to do with the Advent? So um, Luke 18.1 reads, Then Jesus taught the followers what they should always do. They should always pray and never lose hope. That was a summation, but Luke 18.1, you're going to find that Jesus taught the followers what they should do, and it's always pray and never lose hope. When storms arise, we should pray instead of panic. The world's panicking, guys. The world's panicking. We should be praying. We shouldn't be panicking when storms arise. When doubt creeps in, we should worship and not worry. We shouldn't have to worry. God, we already know the end of the story. It is so funny to me. So I always get mad at myself. I'm telling you what, when I get rattled and I'm like, really, it's keeping me up at night. And I'm like, and then the Lord comes through on the other side. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't get through. I don't know why I did that. Like, I get mad. I'm like, how do I ever even think it wasn't going to happen? But in the midst of it, all you see sometimes is, is what you're in. You know, you can't even see. And so anyway, it, it can have you rattle. So as we celebrate this Advent season, we can confidently place our hope in Christ's return. We can place this hope, this certain hope, not optimism. While it's good, don't go around being a Debbie Downer. That's not what I'm saying. But that's not the kind of hope you can build your life on. Wishful hope, winning the lottery, whatever. You can't build your life on that. Expectant hope, while it's definitely based in something, you can't build your life on that. Because we see with a garden, with babies, things could still go awry. It's this certain hope that we can be confident in. We can be confident. Hope in our dark and broken world is only found in Jesus because he conquered death, sin, and Satan. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This Advent season, God is offering hope found in Jesus to every nation of the world where the gospel is proclaimed. Amen? Amen. Outstanding. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. That's what a way to kick off our Advent season. Uh, again, I invite you all to, to, to watch us on Facebook Live or be here, provided the weather is, is fine. Um, the next series, the next three speakers, you definitely don't want to miss there as we unpack love, joy, and peace. So with that, that's it. Let's stand to our feet. I would say join the hand next to you, but you can't do that. So you might want to hug yourself. Uh, <laughs> thank you so very much for worshiping with us. Again, reach out to uh, the Gray family. Um, again, those that have suffered loss recently, uh, you know, Terry Bueno and her family, uh, Pamela Brown and her family, uh, just continue to keep them in prayer. Uh, just keep them lifted up before the throne. Um, that's where do we place our hope? Amen. Let's bow our heads and hearts. Our Heavenly Father, again, we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. He has, he is, and he continues to do all things well. Father, thank you for this sweet communion of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for allowing us to gather on this gorgeous 
fall day, Father, thank you. Father, as we uh, head towards Thanksgiving, Father, you know the situation. None of this caught you by surprise. Father, you know uh, the, the, the risk uh, associated with gatherings. Uh, Father, be with us, give us wisdom uh, to do, not do, uh, to, to, to circulate, not circulate, Father, according to your perfect will. And everything we say and do, we wanna glorify and exalt you. Father, be with us today. Again, our prayer is uh, keep us from the evil one. Please keep us from the evil one. Uh, protect us from the world and save us from ourselves. Father, we so love you and we thank you. It's in the name of your son, our savior, Jesus the Christ, we ask it all. Let every heart say, amen. amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Bless you.